why uh, the Lord doesn't keep with inflation, keep increasing the amount of tithe. Why don't we pay 20, 25% anymore? And I said, well, thank God that he hasn't asked us to go to 20, 25% because I think it would hurt a little bit more. But, but it's, it's God just showing that he can take a little bit of whatever he gives us and, and he multiplies it and he lets the kingdom grow. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for every one of you in the house of the Lord this morning. I just said the Lord. Man, I'm starting to get South Carolinian back in me. we got to pray that out before it gets too invasive. What did you say back there? Oh, I never said there was anything wrong with it. I just said I didn't want to sound like it. I wasn't born and raised down there, but I was down there long enough to learn that holler and, and, and bless your heart and all that other stuff isn't always the greatest things in the world. But anyway, it's great to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I know Melissa, she woke up this morning and had a fever again, and we have another one that's just not feeling good. So we just said, honey, don't share it. You keep it. I'll go keep my distance as much as I can from people and just still bring the word that the Lord gave me because... For some reason, the Lord just did something funny. If you didn't know this week, uh, Sunday after church, I got a text message from my wife. said, honey, it's a little cold in the house. I said, okay, turn the thermostat up. She said, I did. And she says, the, the heat's not working. So I got home. I said, let's let a man get to it. And uh, I got the furnace to kick up to 67 degrees, and it wouldn't go past that. And then we woke up the next morning to 52, and I said, I better call the landlord, and uh, well, needless to say, the landlord didn't like the price tag, but I'm thankful that he had the ability to put a new furnace in my house this week, um, so we are actually good and toasty again, so that's just a little bit of thankfulness that we were having this week, but I have a question. How was your Thanksgiving this week? Did you have a lot of family come by? Did you have a lot of turkey? Now, now Sister Phyllis, did you, did you order your turkey? No. Oh, look at what the Lord has done. He blessed you with fellowship and a free turkey. <laughs> now, now, yes, probably Steve. I think we might have to start singing the Veggie Tell song, my great, 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 great. But we are so excited for Angela having her little precious little lady, and, and we're thankful that you guys get to have that great, great grandparent title too. That is a true blessing itself. But anyway, did you get all you could eat? Did you get all the turkey you could get in you? Did you get all the, the mashed potatoes, the green beans, the asparagus? What about the Brussels sprouts? I got a couple head shakes. I don't like Brussels sprouts. I got other ones saying I love Brussels sprouts. Okay, here's another question. How many of you braved the Black Friday shopping chaos? No? I got Chip saying I did, I did, I did. He got a, he got a new TV. Is that what it is, Chip? Oh, you did it on your phone. Oh, you cheater. You don't realize that the doing on your phone is supposed to happen on Monday after Thanksgiving. It's called Cyber Monday. I'll be honest, I went out Black Friday and on Friday, but it was usually like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But anyway, I have a question for you. Who is tired today? I got one hand that says I am exhausted. 
Let me tell you, this morning, I woke up and the Lord had me get up at 4.30 this morning. I said, Lord, what are you doing to me? And he says, I want you up. I said, okay, I guess I'll be tired today. But he knows what I'm preaching on. He knows where I'm going. But you see, Thanksgiving for me when I was growing up was always one of the busiest times of the day. Growing up, we would get up. Mom would make me sit down, have breakfast, say, get ready, get your nice clothes on because you're going to your grandparents. And I said, okay, I guess I'm going to my grandparents. And so we would go through that. We'd get done with my grandparents, and then my mom would pick me up from my grandparents because it was my, my dad's parents that we went to. And then I got shipped off to my other stepdad's grandparents, and we had dinner there, and then we went to the next house. And by the time, I'm like, Mom, I need sweatpants that are three sizes too big because I just ate way too much food. Bless you. But then as I got older, you know what Thanksgiving turned into? A psychotic craziness of a mess. Because as I got older, my sister called me one day and said, Hey, hey, Steve, what do you want to do for Thanksgiving? I said, I don't know. She says, well, I'm going to do this new thing, and we should make this a tradition. And I said, what is it? She said, I want you to go sign up for this thing called a turkey trot. See, a turkey trot is where you get up Thanksgiving morning, and some are, are a 5K, some are five miles. The one my sister decided to have us sign up for was a five-mile run Thanksgiving morning. So what did I do? I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, got the turkey in the oven, said, Honey, the turkey's in the oven. You just need to keep basting it, making sure it stays moist. And, and that way, I got to go. I got to get over here to, to the town locally because if I don't get over there, by this time, I'm never going to get through the traffic or get through the pedestrians. So me and I, my sister, we, we got up in the car. We got all the way there. We're like, okay, we're freezing because this year it was like 20 degrees outside. They put us on the top of a hill, and it's blowing 35 miles an hour, and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And I start running five miles. I get on with five miles. And the next thing I got going on is I got to take a shower. I got to get the turkey done. I got to get the kids ready. I got to get to my grandparents' house. Okay, we get to my grandparents' house. The next thing I know is I got to go to my other grandma's house, and then I got to spend time with them. And then, because I got married, I got to go to my in-law's grandparents' houses. And by the time I got home at 11.30, I looked at my wife and I said, I've eaten way too much and I'm stew stinking tired. And she looks at me and says, I got 10 minutes of a nap and I'm off to Black Friday. I said, honey, you could do whatever you want. Just here's, here's, here's some cash. Don't go using the credit card. And I said, you go because I'm too tired. I'll watch the kids. You go do that. And then the Friday, I vegged all day long. Saturday, I would veg all day long. And then I was like, Sunday, it's time to go to church. But I can't get my pants on because I ate too much dumplings and turkey and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is this time of year is an exhausting time. Whether you have family around or whether you have kids or whether you're just going through the motions, this time of year can be exhausting. Let alone Christmas coming up. I calculated it's 28 days until Christmas. Let me tell you, I didn't calculate it. My kids calculated it. Hey, Dad, 28 days until Christmas. Can we get the trees up? 28 days. Can I get this for Christmas? Can I get... I love you, kids, but not right this second. See, this time of year is so chaotic, even though it's supposed to be a time of thankfulness. It's supposed to be a time of remembrance, of celebration, the reason for our hope about baby Jesus being born in a manger and all these different things. 
And yet, we still live in this life where it's always going 50 different miles a minute. And our lives look no different as a Christian than those of the world. Let me say, I'm tired. I tell my wife all the time, I said, honey, I don't know what it is. I'm just worn out. And she says, honey, you just got to go to bed early. I said, I go to bed early, and then the Lord wakes me up early. I'm tired. And she says, what are you dealing with? And I said, I don't know. I'm just tired. But that's the one thing that the Lord keeps saying is we're all worn out. We've all gone through seasons of, of exhaustion. We've all gone through places where we're asking, why am I so wiped out? And if I were to ask you today, if you're even more tired than you realize, you probably would say, yeah, I probably am. I wish I could have just stayed in bed this morning, stayed under the, the covers, turned into a human blanket burrito, and just turned on the TV and just vegged. Most of us would raise our hands including the pastor. But the Lord gave me a scripture this week in this weird, funky haze of a dream, sleeping, walking thing, and I said, Lord, what are you telling me to tell the people? And he says, I want them to understand that there's a purpose that they got to hold on to and unlock. It's out of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Yetta, you'll pull it up, I know. And it says, therefore, while the promise of entering in his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day with all of his works. And again, in the passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Father, I need you to just touch this sermon, Lord. I need you to just move upon my lips and let this be the edification that someone in this building, Lord, needed to hear. That they had to get up off that bed and just get dressed just to get in their car to get over here, Lord. Let it have the word that they need, Lord, right now. And even those that are still sick, Lord, dealing with flu or whatever virus is spreading through their house. If they are hearing this message, Lord, let it be an edification in their lives so that they would find what you called them to know. In Jesus' name. I know what you're thinking. This message is not going to make sense. But what I've learned is sometimes when God gives me messages and he takes me on squirrely directions, they don't make sense until he connects the dots. Because like I said, he gave me this message. I woke up with my furnace out and I said, honey, I don't know what it was. I woke up and there was like a smoke in the house. And I said, but there's no smoke. So I walked downstairs, I sat on the couch, and I said, Lord, I don't know why you asked me to go out of the bed, but I sit down, and he said, Hebrews uh, 4, 1 through 5, read it. And I said, I read it, and I said, God, what do you want me to tell them? And he says, there's a purpose in it, and it's something that we take for granted, because we're still in the granted series, or the grateful series. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he says, it's my rest. My rest. 
And those words right there set me on a path of research, set me on a path where I was like, God, what are you trying to speak to the church? What do you want to speak to me, Lord, right now? Because I'm tired. I want to go to bed. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, Lord, and you woke me up and the house is freezing and I'm still tired and I want to go get warm blankets. And he says, no. You're taking for granted the rest that I have. And I said, Lord, the rest I want is the one where I put my head on the pillow and fall asleep. And that's what we all encounter so many times of our lives. Is that not true? We're all tired. In fact, I went through and did my Google searches. You know me, Mr. Technology. I'm all over the place looking at whatever statistics I could find that can relate to what's going on. And what I found is, in the year 2022, somebody did a survey, and they asked over 2,000 people, rate your tiredness. I expected it to be like one out of ten. I'm just exhausted. And I was kind of a little shell-shocked when I saw it was two, or every three out of five person that was asked said that they are exhausted beyond measure, and they do not calculate or formulate why they are so tired. They can't even get rest when they try to take a ten-minute nap. They're still exhausted. They're still worn out. They're still struggling to figure out, why am I so tired? And the Lord kept saying, it's because they're not resting in the proper context, in the proper ways. I said, Lord, you said that on the seventh day that we're supposed to rest. We're not supposed to labor. We're not supposed to do these things. That's what you set up in your commandments as you were talking with Moses. You were setting up the Sabbath and all these different things. And he says, yes, there's a purpose in there, but there's a context of rest that we cannot find. That's why when the Lord told me the title of the sermon, I was like, okay, what is this meaning? And I normally don't tell you the titles of the sermons. They're usually just highlighted in my notes. But the title of the sermon this week is The Rest of the Rest. And I was like, Lord, I'd rather be the best of the best, not the rest of the rest. Can I get an amen on that one? I would rather be the best of the best instead of the rest of the rest. I don't know where the Lord was going with me, but I know what he showed me and exposed to me to tell you. You see, the struggle that we have in this fast-paced life is that we're always connected, that we're always never having a downtime, but, but there's also something else in there. It's that we've always feel taken for granted the things that we encounter. I feel guilty when I'm in the church working on my desk while other people are laboring. You ever had that? You feel guilty watching other people work when you're trying to do some other kind of work, but you're like, I need to go do that. They're cleaning the church. Let me go get a mop because i got to have my hands and feet in this too, right? Come on. But there are other seasons in our life where we have to realize that the rest of the rest is, is something that relates to where we're going. We live in a fast-placed, always-connected world where there's no downtime and we're struggling to make sense of why we can't find something in our lives that will connect it. But the writers of Hebrews is alluding to the fact that the rest is not what we connect it to. I think today the truest statement is that we are always on. I'm going to just call my wife out like I call myself out. 
I like my technology. My TV's always on. I'm always watching the news or something, trying to get glean information. If I don't have that going, I got my phone on, and I'm always Googling things and trying to find things out, searching. If I don't have that, I got my computer out. I'm typing through my, my Bible study tool system that I have. If that's not out, then I got my Bible. I'm always connected to that. If I don't have that out, my kids are talking to me, asking me questions and doing all these different things. And then I'm trying to Google what they're trying to ask me questions so I can relate it to them. It's exhausting. It's not that I have five kids. My five kids, as they get older, they're supposed to get easier. Y'all, come on. I know what I mean, but you know what I mean too. And I understand that as they get older, they get more complicated in their drama. Better yet, they make you tired. But better yet, you got to find a place where you can find rest. you got to find a place where you can find the provision of a of, of peace that will come into your life that will take over. You see, we all are struggling, and as we try to correlate this idea that our rest is always going to be connected with something else. I'm going to be rested when I get this done, or I'm going to go get rest when I get this done. Let me tell you, being a student, I know that I have to get my papers written in time, and then I can get rest. But I don't always time out my day properly to get that paper done where I'm not up until 2 o'clock in the morning rushing to get the last two sentences in there so I can meet my page paragraph quota so I can get it submitted so I can at least try to get an A on my assignment. So what do I do? I struggle. I get through those and I get exhausted more and more. But there's a connection with rest that we often take for granted because rest is not just something that talk causes our physical bodies to get tired. They affect our mind as well. And the Lord says that your rest that you're trying to find is going to be connected with the spiritual principalities that you're fighting against all the time. We serve a great God, but we also have an adversary that's a great devil who's trying to cause so much division and strife in everything that we do, and he wants to get us so stressed out, so whacked out, that we can never fully shut down without a fear or a worry or a blemish that would cause us to have any less struggle. In fact, when I was doing more research and I said, Look, what is the correlation between rest and depression? And it says it's so much heightened. They said that depression rates are so much skyrocketed in the last two years compared to the last 10 years. And it's because we have so much uncertainty with COVID, with sicknesses, with, with the inflations and everything else like that, that we're struggling to find what we need. And what God kept saying is that the, we're fighting the spiritual battle. We're fighting this, this struggle. Because the enemy knows that if we can get so tired, that we'll get so weak. That if we get so tired, we'll give in. And we'll do whatever he wants and we'll start living in that life that he gets us into. And lo and behold, I didn't expect it this week, but Julia kind of sparked my interest a little bit when she says, Hey, Dad, have you ever heard of the Russian sleep experiment? I said, Actually, I have, sweetheart. She says, Have you seen what the images look like? I said, I have, sweetheart. She says, It's giving me nightmares. I don't want to sleep. But in this experiment, back in the 1940s, 
some uh, political prisoners were being held in a prison, and the Russians wanted to see how far they could test the human body to go without sleep. So to get the prisoners on board so they wouldn't be combative, they said, if you can stay awake for 30 days, you'll get your freedom. They said, like, oh, freedom? What? We don't got to get stuck in these Russian oligarch prisons and all these different things. They're like, yeah, let's go. So they put him in a locked chamber that's got gas and like this special gas that would keep him awake mixed with oxygen. They had sensors to detect that they were getting the proper amount of oxygen. They put him in there and they said, okay, we'll see how far we can go. They said, we got 30 days is our goal. After day five, they were like, okay, everything seems good. They haven't slept a week. They're staying awake. Everything's going on. But then day six happened, and then all of a sudden this one guy got up, and all they could hear in the microphones was him screaming at the top of his lungs for a solid four hours. And then it stopped. The doctors didn't have cameras in there. They just had microphones, and they were listening, and they speculated that he blew out his vocal cords because they ruptured because he was screaming so long, so fast, and so, long, uh, so, so much with an, an effort. That's all they could calculate. By day 10, they were like, okay, what's going on? Because they couldn't hear anything like that that was going on. It was getting so dead quiet. So they broke their protocol and they said, okay, we got to make some noise in this. So they said, hey, we're going to open the doors. We're going to let you out. I don't think this is good. And all they kept hearing was everybody saying, no. We don't want to get out. We don't want to go to sleep. We want to stay in this, this state that we're in. We, we, want to, we don't want you to open the doors. Don't stop the experiment. We don't care. Day 12, they finally opened the doors. And what they saw was something so crazy. The wickedness that came through. There was flesh that was torn out of stomachs, people's spleens were out, all these different things where they were trying to shove different things. These people looked crazy. They gouged out their eyes. And what they found was the lack of sleep that they were encountering and the, the medicine that they were given through the gas had caused their, their, their oxygen and the blood to triple. They had found that these individuals did not want to have the separation and anxiety from the gases because they had everything that was going on in their bodies had changed them metaphysically. And the second they took the gas off, about within about a couple hours, the first one died from his spleen rupture. And the story goes on, and then all of them died out of the five until the last one. And they said, well, we're going to put you back in the chamber. We'll put the gas on you. He says, good, because I don't want to go to sleep. They said, what's going on? He says, you don't realize you unlocked the nightmare that you don't ever want to fall asleep to. And what God was speaking to me as I was reading through that story again and I was glazing through it was the fact that the enemy knows that our weakness in this flesh is always going to be corrupted. And he wants to get us to where we fall into the corruption. But God is trying to tell us today that we need to find the perfect rest that will give us that perfect peace that goes beyond all understanding as we connect with him. You see, in, in Matthew chapter, let me get to it here because I have it wrote up here. Where did I put it? Matthew chapter 11, it talked about, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
That's what we have to provide, find hope in. That's what we have to find our solace in. That's what we have to find our provision in is the fact that there is a hope within us that when we get tired, we can find peace in it. We don't have to worry about the demons coming through our lives as we allow the enemy to come in. What we need to understand is the rest that God is trying to connect us with is one that will give you provision to get through every single moment. We live in a dark, dark society. It keeps getting darker and darker by the day. More bleakness, more everything. But I know that there's a marvelous light getting ready to shine at some moment and some time. But that light can only come through when we realize that there is rest that can get us through it. We live in a society of two coins. Those that hear the message and deny it and those that hear the message and receive it. It's what scripture said over and over and over again. You're here. I'm assuming you're receiving it. But there's people out there that have heard the same message that Jesus died on the cross for them and have denied it and still deny it and say that he doesn't exist. He's not real. He's nothing. And they don't have a purpose in them. And they wonder why they go day in and day out without any peace in their lives. but it's a lesson that's been repeated over and over again. Because the writer of Hebrews chapter 4, he didn't write that out of his own wisdom. He was repeating what was already written in the book of Psalms. Because in the book of Psalms, it talks about this same encounter that we have where if we hear it, we better hold on to the message, not just cast it off. Because in Psalms 95, it says, Come and let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. He is a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountain. And, also, and his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, the maker, for he is our God. We are his people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Mirabah, as on the day of Massa. In the wilderness, when the fathers put me to test and put me to proof, they, uh, though they had seen my works for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are my people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You see, what God is trying to really get us to understand is here. We go through seasons in our life that are constantly repeated. It's what I get. I don't know. My mind catches things in a, in a pattern system. But we're going through the same repetitive pattern that goes through. And, and what uh, Psalms 95 is talking about is the wilderness experience. Last week I talked about the provision that they had and they always wanted everything back. And that's so true for us today as we go and encounter God and we hear his messages. I mean, when you think about it, they, they prayed for 430 years. Lord, get us out of Egypt. Generation had passed away. Generation had passed away. The next generation had passed away. They were praying, Lord, we want out of this bondage of slavery. Lord, give us the deliverance. Get us out of Egypt. 
give us rest because we're tired. And he sent Moses, and they're like, okay, Moses, yay, you're, you're saving us, but you're causing a lot of issues. And they're like, okay. And then when Pharaoh finally says, go, after Moses said, let my people go, they looked at Moses the second they hit the Red Sea and they said, you're going to kill us. You gave us a message of hope, but our hearts are getting hardened because of the situations we're encountering. We're looking at an obstacle that we don't see as a deliverable ability, but yet you keep telling us that God's speaking to you. And so they finally saw and witnessed it, but it's the hardness of their hearts that they kept rejecting God. They saw him part the Red Seas. They saw him feed them in the wilderness, but yet their hearts would not call in line and let them actually find the true rest that had to occur in their hearts. A journey that should have took 40 days took 40 years. Why? Because God had to get the, the, the hardened heart of a generation out of the next generation. And as they got into the promised land, Joshua had to take them in because of everything that was going on. And when Joshua took them in the promised land, they were like, okay, we're in a land of milk and, uh, milk and honey. It's flowing. It's got everything we need. We're going to get to rest. We're going to get everything we want. And the second they get there, Joshua says, we got to go circle uh, Jericho and walk around it. And then they watched God do the impossible. And then they heard AI, and then they heard about the defeat of AI, and then they lost heart. And they kept going back and forth, and that's just like us. That's just like us. We look at the calendar, and we kind of time things out. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Those are just the Christian holidays that we really focus on. Birthdays, marriage anniversaries, first date anniversaries for some people. We put all these holidays in there. We're like, okay, it's going to get better once we get to this point. We're going to get rest after this point. We're going to have purpose after this point. But what happens when it never gets restful? What happens when you plan everything out accordingly how you think it should measure out and it never calms down, it never falls in line, it never equals what you think it is, and yet you still do the insanity thing, keep it expecting, oh, it's going to be the next year. My spouse is going to love me more the next year. I'm going to get to rest the next year. After my kids hit three years old, I get to rest because I don't have to change their diapers after this year. But we struggle because we take for granted the rest that God has promised us and the pursuit of the thing that we want. That's why shows on like TLC and all of them are like, my lottery dream home or my dream house, flip it, house fixer upper, I don't know what they're called. Where we imagine the best possible situation and expect that when it happens, then it's all going to fall in line. I have never seen God work that way, where everything falls in line perfectly and in a quarter, and, and everything just starts going into smooth. I've always learned that every time that I get called by God, the enemy wants to stop everything I have, and he causes a chaotic mess, and I find that my rest is getting disrupted. But there's a point in my life where I have learned that even in the chaos, even in the stormy seas, that, that there, there is still a Jesus who would still rest in his boat, even in the most turbulent times and the, and the most, tri uh, tri I can't even think of the word, turbulent times where, with the waves beating across the boat. God is still sleeping in that rest and that promise of what we need to have in our lives. 
But it's always because he's the one that created it all. And he's the one that designed us meticulously to have a reliance for him. Can I say that again? He designed you, as somebody had always said, to have a heart with a hole in the middle of it that only he could fill. But better yet, he designed you with a meticulousness that would have to be reliant on him for everything you have because you're living on borrowed time. The breath in my lungs, they're his. The, the feet that I walk on, the steps that I take, those are his that he's positioning every single moment in my life. The words you speak are supposed to be the words that edify others around you that are his. Everything we have is his. We're supposed to be reliant. So why do we think that we should not be reliant on the truth that his rest is perfect? Why do we seem to think that our, our reliance shouldn't be totally, wholeheartedly connected with him? See, God's word is trying to tell us today that we take for granted the greatest ideal of what rest is. We take for granted because we grind and grind thinking that somehow we're going to get to a point in our life where everything will connect perfectly in line where we can stop. Well, that is partially true. You can grind and grind and grind. But the text still reminds us that we have to hear the word and take hold of it. We have to take his truth, his promises that he speaks, and let them take root in our lives. Not just hearing it and, and, putting, and, and, and throwing them away, but taking it and allowing it to truly apply in your life. But unfortunately, too many of us today have a Christian walk where we say, Though I lay my head to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take mentality I don't want to lo I lay my head to sleep Lord I just want the shallow coverage of what you got Lord I don't want just that I want the burrito blanket of your rest to cover me in all aspects where I'm comfortable where I'm rested where I know I'm safe where I know I have provision where I know I have hope where I know I am covered endlessly all over where I don't have to doubt But yet, we're still tied to the world, using the world's definition of rest, to cease to work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or to recover one's strength. You see, rest is a place where we're supposed to get refreshing, but it's not the world's refreshing. There's a reason that I wake up some days and I get my head up out of that pillow and I'm like, Lord, I need to get up. I need to go right for the coffee maker. I need to get up and get this caffeine in me so I can at least get a little bit of energy because, Lord, I, I tossed and turned that night because I didn't feel safe because I struggled with anxiety. I did all of this or that. I'm not feeling refreshed, but I, I know I went to get to rest. But what God is trying to tell us is what the Hebrews, of the writer of Hebrews and the writer of Psalms is talking about. It's this rest that goes beyond all understanding. And when you go back to the original text and you look at it within the Greek of the Hebrew, it goes katapayas which means to rest. I know, big thought, right? The Greek says katapias, which means rest. But then I love how my strong concordance said, but there's a root word that you need to go to first. And it's katapayo, which means to settle down. 
and or colonize. Can I just say this one thing? The rest you are looking for is the one where you can be built up. It's not just to replenish you. It's not just to strengthen you. It's to build you up and to take colonization of who you are and everything you have. God wasn't promising that you're going to get to go sleep in your bed every single day until noon when you hit retirement age. I would love to stay in my bed until noon when I hit retirement age, Brother Jim. I would love to go to bed at 8 o'clock and never have to deal with the world in my retirement age. But the rest that he's saying is not just slumber. The rest he's speaking over us when he says, Come to me, all who weak or weary, and I will give you rest. In Matthew chapter 11, what he's talking about is, I will give you rest where I will come in and give you a new heart that's a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. I will give you purpose because I'm going to give you a yoke that's lighter than the one that you're carrying, that's easier to do the work that I've called you to do, one that will give you purpose. Better yet, the rest I'm going to give you today is the rest where my Holy Spirit will come in and empower you to do the mighty works that give you the words to speak. The rest I'm going to give you today is one that's going to get you through every single moment and every doubt that it has in your mind. You see, it's why the disciples didn't fear death when they were being persecuted, when they wouldn't shut up about Jesus. It's that kind of rest that I think the church needs to get a little bit more emboldened with and quit taking for granted. It's the rest that Paul, even though he got stuck in a prison cell, even though he was stuck in the dark, even though he was dealing with being persecuted, getting stoned, and every which way getting rejected, he says, my rest is always going to be connected with my God. Church, that's what we have to realize. God's not just trying to give you sleep. He's trying to empower you with the colonization of his spirit within you as he makes you a new creation. A new creature. One that's edified by him and him alone. And what he wants you to understand is the rest you are looking for is one that's going to truly build you up and set you out on the purpose that he's given you. He might take 40 years to get you through your wilderness season to make you realize that he's trying to build you up. To make you have that perfect rest. Because he wants to make you a mighty nation. But we fall too quickly back to sleep with the false idea of rest. We fall too quickly. If you look at the example, you'll see it over and over again, and I see the time. And I still got more pages. One of these days, Sister Amy, I'm going to go till 2 o'clock, and you guys are all going to go, please don't. We'll make this a part two, part three, part four, part five. Who knows where we're going to go. But what I feel God is trying to tell the church today, if you'll stand with me this morning, I'm going to go ahead and close. Is his words out of Matthew. Let me find them again. Come to me, all who are labored and heavy laden. And I will give you rest, and you will take upon, or in my yoke upon you, you will t- uh, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
That's what he wants to give you. He didn't say he would take away all your trauma, all your, all your trauma, all the messes that you're encountering with. But he's saying he's going to build you up so you can withstand it in his perfect rest. That's what he's trying to make you take stock of and be grateful for. That you have a God that loves you so much that he sent Jesus on the cross to give you that hope. To give you this rest that he promised before he even went to the cross. That he'd, he'd make it to where it's easy to get through some of it because you have the reliance and the relationship with the creator of it all. But what he wants you to know is that you can have rest and rest more abundantly because of the love and grace that he's given with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't, I don't know who this is for. If you don't know who Jesus is and you want to have him in your life because you need that rest, just shoot your hand up. We're going to pray a prayer with you this morning. Is there anybody? I see one hand. Two hands. Two hands. Right now, I can tell you right now, I'm rejoicing. And I know the angels are already rejoicing for those hands because they're holding on to the promise that he's going to give. That's you online, and you want to say that's me. Just send us an email. Let us know that's you, and we're going to be praying this prayer in a minute. And this prayer doesn't—it means bupkis, unless it's truly coming from the desires of your heart, where you say, "God, I need you for the rest that I need for the rest of my life." It means bupkis, but this is a life-changing prayer that allows God to come in and change things. So repeat with me, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior and give me the yoke that you promised because I need your rest, I need your love, and I need your peace the rest of my life, Lord, because I'm done trying to do the grind because I know you died on the cross and you rose from the dead for me so that my sins are forgiven, but also for my future. Let's just give the Lord a round of clap of a praise for that right now. And if that wasn't what you needed this morning, I want you to understand one thing. You might be dealing with depression. You might be dealing with all kinds of defeat every which way. But I want you to understand that God says it's time to not lose heart. It's time to listen a little bit more intently to what his word says, which says whatever cast or whatever cares or burdens you have, cast him at his feet and he will show up and he will move. It might take time. It might not always happen in your time frame. But let me tell you, when you trust him in everything that you have, get ready. See, I'm so grateful that he gave that promise. I'm so thankful that he spoke those words but it's time for us to have eager ears and an open heart to receive it always. So Lord Jesus, right now I thank you for who you are. Lord, I give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor, Lord. But God, empower us to hear. Empower us to be open in our hearts, Lord. Empower us to be eager to see your will be done. As you give us a rest that builds us up. And colonizes us, Lord, so that we can become a mighty nation that you called us to be. Let us go forth and be what you called us to be, which is torchbearers. Men and women of God who are hungry and thirsty after your righteousness, that no matter what we encounter, we're always going to have the banner that's showing for you. 
Touch us today, Lord. Give us safety as we go home. Touch us, Lord, if we have illnesses, those that are sick that couldn't be in the house of the Lord this morning. Move upon their bodies, Lord, and give them a supernatural healing, Lord. And But, Lord, always just remind us of the rest that goes beyond all understanding. Give it to us today, and Lord, and we praise you for what you're doing. And everyone in the house said, Amen. Church, I love you all. I look forward to seeing what God's going to do in this place. I look forward to seeing the kids play here in a couple weeks. But go and be the body of the Christ because the body is leaving this church. So go and be that way. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll see you all when I get to see you next. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you may. You want the microphone?